Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. You guys are in for a treat this morning. Mark McKinney is going to be preaching today, and he is just, man, he is a man of God, y'all. And uh, he's got a word for you this morning. I'm just telling you, get ready, because it's good. Uh, But Mark's been involved with us here at Antioch for 22, over the course of 22 years, formerly CF, Christ Fellowship. And, uh, you know, Mark Mark works in the business world. He trains teachers and professionals, uh, and he has a heart for equipping people. And I think this morning, you're going to get to benefit and experience that yourselves. But uh, apart from Mark's history here and his professional accolades, I think the one thing that marks Mark the most is just his love and his love for people. And you can't help but be around Mark and not be encouraged uh, because he's got a, a gentle heart, a kind heart, a loving heart, and he always encourages the people that he's around. I think you'll be encouraged this morning. Would you join me in welcoming Mark McKinney? All right. Good morning. Hey, now I, d- I did bring uh, some photos uh, with me, a little bit of family, you know, because we I have I have three grown daughters, I have three daughters and one wife, if you're wondering. And uh, uh, yeah, Robin and I have been married 36 years. I like her. She's cute. Uh, but uh, so so we had two of our three daughters live out of out of town. One lives in El Paso. One lives in Colorado. I'm actually going to get on a plane in like two hours and uh, fly up there because I'm working with some teachers in Colorado Springs. And uh, so I told my boss, I said, I got a grandbaby in Colorado now. You got to put me on the Rocky Mountain team. So they, they, I'm, I do dual duty between Texas and Colorado. But so I had all the kids in for this Christmas season. So let's see a couple of these photos. Okay, this is Micah. I mean, Malachi, sorry, not Micah, Malachi, and uh, he's, he's my grandson in Colorado that I'm going to go see, and, uh, and he's cute, but look at that woman holding him. <laughs> Man, she is hot. I don't know what to tell you, but uh, I can't believe I got her. I don't know. If you figure that out, please let me know how I did that. Uh, anyway, let's look at the next picture, and this is my granddaughter, Charlotte, and uh, oh my gosh, she has me wrapped around her finger, but... Uh, uh, I gave her that glass of milk, the cup that she's holding. And when I saw this picture, this was my favorite moment of the week. I had the whole family together because when I saw this picture, I thought, you know what? That's a great picture of what our prayer life should be like. You know, just kind of sitting there. Hey, God. Hey, sweetie. How are you? You know, just having that conversation. And uh, I can't understand much of what she said, but it was a great conversation. It was awesome. All right. So let's look at the next one. Uh, now, anytime the grandkids come, Tickle Monster has to come out and attack all the grandchildren. So we did a lot of a lot of that, and then finally we got a picture with all the grandkids together. We have five of them, and uh, I don't know if they get much cuter than that. But uh, any any, I used to wonder when I was a dad. I thought, you know, being a grandparent's not that big a deal. I've already been a parent. Oh no, Mm-mm. grandparent, whole different different level of awesome, and. Uh, what I love most about it, when they cry or poop, mom, here you go, you know, just give them away. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, when we were praying before the first service this morning in the prayer team, the one of the things that uh, the Lord just spoke very clearly, I totally threw out my intro that I was going to do. This is the intro. God wants to give 
and restore hope this morning. And uh, hope in maybe dreams that have died, uh, purpose. Uh, the title of the message this morning is Live on Purpose. And I think when we leave here, guys, that there should be alarm bells going off in hell because Antioch Fort Worth just dismissed. And uh, so what I want to do the first Sunday of the year, it's so funny, Jamie said, I'd like you to preach kind of your life message in 30 minutes because we got to have a time. You know, I'm like, 30 minutes? Tell Okay, whatever. So we'll give it our best shot. Uh, now, uh, I want you to turn to, how many of you heard the scripture, John 10, 10? Jesus said, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Anybody heard that scripture before? All right. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Let me ask you this. How many of you on a daily basis fully experience that? You know, what's kind of funny. One hand went up. I love it. I love it. His wife made him do it. But anyway, okay. But the thing about it, I didn't see any hands up first service either. And uh, now I think we do live that fullness of life that Christ came to give us at times. But I believe that God expects that life to be just kind of normal. You know, I mean, you read anybody, you read the book of Acts. I mean, I love it. You know, I, I think John and Peter, I think they're walking down the streets during the book of Acts. I think it's kind of like, well, what do you want to do today? I don't know. Figure we heal a few people, cast out a couple of demons. What else? You know, I don't know. Well, what do you want to do? You want to use your hanky or, you know, what? I don't know. How about my shadow? That'll work. You know, I mean, they had an incredible life, right? Full of the life of Christ. And so we're going to talk about how to live on purpose. Okay, so let's look at uh, John 10. Because <coughs> we've heard of the verse 10, you know, 10, 10, Jesus came to give us life. But I want us to look at the context of it. Verse 1, it says, uh, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them all out, when he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will, now listen to this, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, did not understand what he's telling them. In other words, Pharisees didn't get it. Now, Micah mentioned that I'm in education, so when your students don't get it, no matter how good the lesson is, guess what? You've got to reteach it. All right, so Jesus moves on. He says, okay, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. So he's like, okay, you didn't get that one. Okay, think about it this way. I'm the gate now, okay? You know, he's trying to, he's trying to kind of bring it down for him. He says, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, I want to give a little illustration of <coughs> some context as to what was going on. Uh, now, I don't, uh, sheep are not really intelligent animals. 
I don't know if y'all realize that. In other words, they'll be eating at pasture and they'll eat all the grass. And if the shepherd doesn't move them along, they'll start eating the dirt. Okay, so what shepherds had to do is constantly be moving their sheep to new pasture, keeping them completely out of their comfort zone at all times. Right. So he kept kept them moving. Now, eventually, during the season, the shepherds would actually take their sheep so far away from town. It didn't make any sense to come all the way back home and then go all the way back out again. It would be too much of a waste of time. So what they would do is build a huge sheep pen just out in a pasture and like four or five herds might come and the shepherds would put all of their sheep in the same pen. You think that might be a little chaotic because if you've seen sheep, you realize they all look like identical twins, right? (laughs) Sheep look exactly alike. So what they would do, the gate of the pen, the pen was like a three foot high wall made out of stone. And the gate was an opening about this wide, and the gate was actually a person, a man who would stand there as the gate to protect the sheep. The shepherds would go sleep at night. The the flock was all taken care of in the pen. Now, the next morning, the shepherds would come in one at a time, and instead of having to sort through, well, which one's yours, Joe? Oh, I don't know. The shepherd would just walk in and start calling his sheep by name. He'd walk in the pen, Fred, Agnes, Lily, Joe, Bob, let's go, and just turn around and walk out. And when they walked out, only his sheep would follow him. The rest of the sheep would run to the edges of the pen because they didn't know the stranger's voice. So they didn't have to worry about how to separate it. They separated. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, more times than I'd like to admit, I've listened to the stranger's voice. I've done three church plants. All three had to close. So if you want to know how not to do a church plant, I'm your man. Sign me up, right? Now, I can't tell you how many times a stranger came along and said, man, if you're really the man of God, God wanted you to be, the church wouldn't have closed. The church closed because you weren't good enough. The church closed because you didn't hear God. You didn't follow God. All those things. Anybody relate to that? Okay, most of us say things to ourselves that we would never say to anybody else. So one of the things I want to restore hope in is get rid of the stranger's voice. In fact, do this. Look at your neighbor. If you have courage here, look at your neighbor. Say, you got a big old butt. And the men are like, he ain't about to do that. All right, I got that, right? <laughs> so here's what I mean. All of us, all of us have big old butts. And it sounds something like this. I would do this thing that God wants me to do, but, but blah, blah, blah. I know the truth is this, but, you with me? So one, that's the first, I don't know if we, I didn't put that in the PowerPoint, but hey, get rid of your big old butts, right? Because that's what we need to do. Okay. Now, the main thing, Jesus wants us to fully experience the life he came to give us by passionately pursuing the purpose for which he called us. Did you guys know that Jesus called you for a purpose? Okay. He didn't call you and go, well, he's going to heaven. We're done. He didn't do that. He called you for a purpose. He called me for a purpose. All of us, he's called for a purpose. 
And uh, so what we're going to look at today is how do we live on purpose? How do we live fulfilling that purpose for which Jesus called us? And I want to say at the outset, your purpose doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your occupation. Did y'all hear that? Your purpose is deeper than that. Because what happens if you get laid off? Well, I just lost my purpose. Right? Purpose doesn't change. Right? All right. So, number one, let's look at the first thing. Just just reading what we just read in, in John 10. First point, you want to know how to live on purpose? Listen to Jesus and do what he says. It is not rocket science. Now, I will say this, though. Listening to Jesus and doing what he says... It's it's simple, but it's not easy. Okay? Because many times, if you truly listen to Jesus, He's going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do, that are way outside the comfort zone. And uh, But what I would encourage you with is this. If we will be obedient to that still small voice that tells us to say this to that person, how about the cashier at Walmart? Hey, tell them this. And it could just be, man, you have a wonderful day. doesn't have to be earth-shattering, right? But just listen to those little things, because sometimes those small steps of obedience can result in more than we ever imagined possible. Uh, when I was doing our last church plant, Christ Fellowship, North Richland Hills, uh, we had a prayer meeting. One of the families had a, had a guest staying at their home. He was a pastor in Guatemala, and he didn't know any English we didn't know any Spanish. I tried to find a Spanish interpreter, couldn't find one. So he came to the prayer meeting anyway. So we're all praying. We're praying in English. He's praying in Spanish. It's awesome. And uh, <coughs> at one point in the prayer meeting, I opened my eyes, looked across and saw Pastor Otilio. And uh, I heard Jesus say, I want you to wash his feet. Oh, God, I hate that. No, my feet are nasty. Oh, my gosh, I got to go get the water. It's good, Lord. You know, I tried to get out of it. And then, then I heard the Lord say it would mean something to him coming from an arrogant American. And I went, okay, that sounds like God. Okay, I better do it. So I got up and I went and got the water, got the towel, came in, knelt down in front of Pastor Otilio, couldn't talk to him. But he knew what I was doing, so he took his shoes off. I washed his feet, and I was about to start praying for him. He lays both hands on my head, starts praying for me, and I had the hair on the back of my neck standing up. Uh, it was an incredible encounter with Jesus. Uh, that bonded us at that moment. So one of my best friends in the universe I cannot talk to. But I, I did learn this. Pastor Otilio, mi hermano y mi amigo. Otilio, my brother and my friend. And so anyway, so that's about the extent of our conversations. But it's, uh, unless we have an interpreter, then it's good. So, but I say the small steps of obedience lead to bigger things. That encounter, he asked me to come to Guatemala and preach. And I said, well, Otilio, you never have heard me preach. He goes, I don't have to. Here's what he said, though, that just really touched me. He said, Guatemala needs your heart. And that just bypassed all of the things I had reasons why not to go. So we went and I was able to take eight short term mission trips over the next seven, eight years. Just seeing incredible things happen. One of the times we went, we landed, got to Pastor Tilo's house about five o'clock. And uh, 
Otilio said, okay, and his son Benjamin was interpreting because he knew English, and, and Benjamin said, uh, hey, we're, <coughs> oh, excuse me, said we're going to uh, a walled city inside Guatemala City. There's an eight-foot brick wall surrounding this small town in the middle of the city. Uh, the police are terrified to do anything there. They do have a small presence, but it is basically run by a gang. And it's one of the most notorious gangs in Guatemala. And uh, I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I just think we're having a conversation. And then Otilio says, you preach there tonight. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I asked Benjamin, Benjamin again, what, do you know, like tonight, like we preached there? And he goes, yeah. And then Otilio looks at me, grins, and says something in Spanish and just walks to the car. And I said, Benjamin, what did your dad say? Oh, he said, we all have to die sometime. Let's go. <laughs> that is not what you want to hear before you go to church. you know. So, so we get there, and church is going on. It's an outdoor courtyard, and worship is happening. And we didn't transplant some of our traditions from American church. So after the worship, they still have like special music where a soloist will get up and sing a special song. Well, the soloist... It's kind of funny. He had these disco pants on and a white shirt with the ruffles, like the tuxedo shirt. He was half a nibble, you know. So he's going to be a mariachi band guy or a worship leader. I don't know. But hey, one of the two, we got it. So, so he's walking behind this flatbed trailer that was our stage to get up to go sing. And as he walked behind the trailer, there was an alleyway that dead-ended right up to the stage. Now, I told you this place was run by a gang. Uh, so at the time, the congregation had 25 police officers surrounding the congregation holding shotguns, looking like this during church, because they were afraid there would be an attack. So this man walks behind the stage, and a gang member threw a broken beer bottle from the alley and hit the guy in the nose, broke his nose, blood's pouring over his white shirt. Uh, Lee Hill, who was one of the medical professionals we brought with us for a medical mission, he went over and started taking care of him. I had a little uh, Guatemalan pastor, about five foot four, come up, pull my shirt. And I said, yeah. And he goes, he knows sing. You preach. And I'm like, okay. Uh, guys, I was terrified. I'm not going to lie. I was scared. So I walk around that same pathway the singer took. And they're introducing me in Spanish. I don't even know what they're saying, but I'm praying. And I'm looking down. My hands are shaking. I'm like, God, what's going on? And and here's what Jesus said. He said, hey, you remember all those times you preach in Texas and you tell people that if they want to follow Jesus, they got to be willing to take a bullet for him? I said, yeah. He said, well. <laughs> anything else, God? No, no, that was it, right? But when he said that, guys, just this grace of God came. and it, Nothing in me, because I didn't want to be there, but it was like all the fear left. It was such a God thing. So I just got up and started preaching, had an interpreter, and we were going. Well, two of the three churches that came together for this meeting were Pentecostal churches. So I was trying to preach to them, but they were preaching right back at me. I mean, I was in that habit. I was like, whoa, let's go. So, I mean, it was happening, right? So as we're going, at one point, I just looked at them, and I said, listen, a lot of people are afraid of the devil. 
I said, I'm not afraid of the devil. I want the devil to know my name. If the devil doesn't know my name, it probably means I'm not doing anything for God. Don't be afraid of him. We need to go for it. And they're like, oh, glory to Dios, glory to Dios. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it was happening, right? We had ministry time. People were healed physically. We had one seven-year-old boy was deaf. His mother came up and said, he can't hear out of his left ear. We just said, Lord, just come healing. And I had the interpreter. I said, whisper something in his deaf ear and see if he can repeat it to you. She whispered in his ear and he went, oh, said it right back to her. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what just happened? You know, you know what the mom did? Gracias. <laughs> well, you said God would heal him. What's the big deal? You know, and I mean, she believed more than I did. I was like, ah, oh. so anyway, so it was a really cool ministry time. Okay. So after that, we get home. And I'm just pumped. It's about midnight. Otilio goes over to the newspaper, opens it up and starts grinning. He points at a picture, most demonic man I've ever seen a photo of. And the caption underneath it said, Diablo arrested. Now, Diablo in Spanish means devil. And the man who was just arrested in Guatemala City was the gang leader of that gang. So I'm saying I'm not afraid of the devil. They think I'm talking about the gang leader. <laughs> and so all these people are like, if this crazy gringo's not afraid of him, why are we afraid of him? Uh, and God just did this incredible move. If I knew what I was saying, I'd have wet my pants. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh. So uh, two months later, the gang moved out of the neighborhood. And all three churches had to relocate because they couldn't hold the people because they lost their fear and just started going for it. If I knew what I was saying, I wouldn't have said it. I'm just being honest, you know. But man, God showed up. So don't underestimate those small steps of obedience because sometimes the smallest thing you say yes to could open up bigger things. All right. Now, number two, be passionate. Guys, I don't think you can, I don't think it's possible to truly follow Jesus without passion. It is too hard. It is too hard to follow Jesus without passion. Yeah, I mean, you, Jesus never rebuked anyone in Scripture for being too passionate. Did y'all realize that? Never did. Other people did. His disciples would say, children, go away. Don't bother the master. Jesus said, no, 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 let them come to me. Because such is the kingdom. Right? A woman breaks a really expensive alabaster box, anoints him with perfume. You know, Judas Iscariot says, man, we could have sold that and given to the poor. Very religious answer. Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. This is going to be a memorial for her forever. Her passion that she's showing. Jesus never rebuked anybody for being too passionate. He rebuked a lot of them for being too religious. But he didn't rebuke anyone for being too passionate. So be passionate. Now, my dad, he was my coach growing up. <clears throat> one of the things that he would say is he'd say, play with reckless abandon. It means just go for it. Pull out all the stops. So I'm really glad we sang the song Reckless Love earlier. Because you know what? Jesus has reckless abandon for us. He pursued us with reckless abandon. And the least we can do is serve him with reckless abandon in return. Don't you think? So let's be passionate for him. And let's go for it. Finally, know your purpose. 
know your purpose. Look at Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Now, I don't have any tattoos, and I told my daughters, you can get tattoos as soon as you leave my home. Okay, I'm not a big tattoo guy, but if I was to get a tattoo, you know, it's kind of in vogue now to get a scripture tattoo. And if I was going to do it, it would be Philippians 3.12. Okay, we usually quote verse 14, forgetting what lies behind, pressing forward to what lies ahead. But my life verse is verse 12. It says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus called each one of us for a purpose. And what Paul is saying here, Jesus called me for a purpose and I am going to spend every day the rest of my life passionately fulfilling the purpose for which he called me. How's that going to change how we live? What would it do for our confidence, for our boldness in serving Jesus if we know what we're for? How easy would it be to say no to things that are not our purpose? Yeah, I was in the vineyard years ago, and one of the things I heard John Wimber say over and over, he said, I'm so busy doing the things God's given me to do, I don't have time to do things He hadn't given me to do. Jesus only walked the earth for three years in, quote, ministry, but He never seemed to be in a hurry, did He? Right, Lazarus died. Oh, let's just chill for a while. We'll go down in a couple of days. They're like, well, Jesus, He's kind of sick. That's fine. Goes down, raises him from the dead, right? Okay, I think if we're focused on our purpose and what God's called us to, we're going to have time to fulfill that. Okay, our American lifestyle, the busier the better. And uh, busy doesn't necessarily mean results. You can be busy and not achieve anything, right? But if if we're bound to a purpose, we know what we're for. Think about the threat to the enemy, Think about that a minute. There's a couple hundred people here. What if 200 people walked out of the building right now knowing their purpose in Christ and they're going to do everything in their power to fulfill that purpose? I think a devil would get a little shook up about that. Because if we don't know our purpose, the devil's like, we're good. But if we know our purpose and we walk in it, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. And I, I said earlier, it's not necessarily tied either to your occupation. Okay, in my adult life, I've had three major careers. I was a pastor, church planner. I guess that'd be one and the same. Uh, the second one's just more crazy. But I would say this, when I, the last church plant, uh, Christ Fellowship Northwestern Hills closed in 2005, and uh, I went into education. And uh, I went into education. Guess what? My purpose didn't change. When I was a pastor... My, I can tell you my purpose. My purpose is to encourage, motivate, and inspire people to be more than they ever dreamed they possibly could be. That's what I'm for. That's what he put in me. Okay? And I did it as a pastor, as a church planner to the best of my ability. And when I got into education, guess what? I encouraged and motivated and inspired my students 
to be everything they could be. We had a lesson in one of my classes, eighth grade classroom, and they were, they were to answer this journal question. The journal question was right down to time when someone criticized you or insulted you. I gave them a couple of minutes to write it down. I said, who would like to share something they wrote down? This girl, she raised her hand and she said, well, uh, I went to see my dad in California this summer and he was going to take me sightseeing when he got off work at five and he got home at one in the morning and he was drunk and he told me he hated me and that I ruined his life and he wished I was never born and she breaks into tears and it was a lesson on reframing and one of the students said coach how do you reframe that and I didn't have a clue so in my wisdom I said well it's a good question. What do you guys think? They're hoping one of the kids would give me something. And one of the other boys raised his hand and said, well, at least your dad was drunk when he told you that. My dad was sober when he told me. And then another girl sitting by the first girl raised her hand and said, my dad told me that this summer, except he told me he wished I was dead. And she started crying. And I'm sitting there with a lump in my throat in a public school classroom, not knowing what to do. So I said, guys, put your pencils down. Look at me. And if anyone tells anyone outside the walls of this room what I'm about to say, I'll deny it. That got all their attention. Oh, that's cool. They put it down. They looked at me. And here's what I said. Your parents may not have planned you, but God planned you. God has a purpose for each and every one of you. And don't ever think you're an accident or a mistake because you're not. And about two-thirds of my classroom of eighth graders was, were crying. As a pastor, I'd said that so many times in church, people are like, <laughs> these kids had never heard it. They're crying. The only thing you can do in public school, by the way, as far as religion or... You can't pray the prayer with them. You can't say, let's just pray right now to receive Jesus. Anything else other than that is pretty much fair game. So I couldn't do that. But I bet you if I did, about 12 to 14 kids would have received Christ that second. The purpose didn't change. Okay, The circumstance around me changed, but not the purpose. Now I train teachers. I'm going to leave here and drive straight to DFW Airport in Florida, Colorado. And I'm going to try to motivate, inspire, and encourage teachers to love their kids and to just go for it and be everything those kids need. So the purpose, guys, doesn't change. So what we're going to do in wrapping this up, we're going to show a video. Now, this, this is a video by a guy named Prince E.A. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. I had so many people ask after the first service, I just thought I'd tell you. Prince, capital E, capital A. Now, that's about a four or five minute video. This video, guys, capsulizes my heart. I mean, when I heard this, I said, he's saying what I've always felt inside. He's just saying it so much better. Okay. So I want us to watch this. And as you're watching it, tap into those dreams, tap into those things. I want to pause though, real quick. I want to say this about purpose because we do have a couple of clips real quick. Uh, I want to say this, your purpose, you don't need divine revelation to find out what your purpose is. Okay? I'm not saying I'm against divine revelation. I'm all for that. But you don't necessarily need that to know your purpose. Okay, can we show those clips real quick? Look at these three. Here's the first one, a minivan. Okay, I had three minivans when my kids were little. 
And I saw this. You know what I thought? I thought, hope nobody sees me driving this. I was at church one time. They had an announcement over the speaker. Uh, there is a minivan in the parking lot. Headlights are on. License plate number, blah, blah, blah. Ben, I stayed in my seat for three minutes because I didn't want anybody to know I was driving a minivan. All right, and then I got on with it. So, okay. But you can look at that minivan and know what it's for, can't you? <coughs> it's to hold a lot of kids, go to soccer practice, so on, so on. Okay, let's look at the next one. Now we're talking right here, okay? The Jeep. Okay, it's for four-wheeling, man. It's for going off-road and having some fun, getting mud on you, and just wah, just being, you know, going for it. Okay, now look at this third one here. Third picture. That's a, that's a Lamborghini, okay? Yeah. Now, Graydon, I don't know about you. I could minister in that. I tell you, yeah. Yeah, there, there's some good stuff happening there, right? But I'm not going to take this four-wheeling. That would be a sin, okay? Right? Because what's the purpose of a Lamborghini? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That hurt. That hurt. You're true. That's right. You didn't hear her. She said midlife crisis. Okay. There you go. Hey, I have rented some Camaro convertibles on the road. I'll just tell you. First time it was 44 degrees. I had the heater going. Oh, but I'm having a good time. You know, so good. So, but the purpose of the Lamborghini is to go fast and look good. Right? So if you want to know your purpose, what do you got to do? Check with the designer. Who designed you? What passions do you have? When you come to Christ, I know there's a verse that says, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. I understand that. But I used to think that meant I had to give up everything I've ever desired or wanted or was passionate about. That's not true. God put the passions in you that you have right now for a purpose. You with me? Okay. I just, I thought I can't like sports anymore because that's of the world. And the whole time I'm like, would he stop talking so we can get to the Cowboy game? I mean, it's like, ah, oh, right? Well, guess what? A few years later, as I got into education, I became a coach. I got to share the kingdom with all of my athletes for nine years. You see what I'm saying? So the purpose you have, those things that just light your fire, that make you, ugh, don't, don't, Squelch those. You know, unless it's something evil, it's probably from God that you have that in you. Okay, so let's go for it. So we're going to watch this video by Prince C.A. And I hope this encourages you and then we're going to have some ministry time. Okay, let's go ahead and show that. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. If we could have the ministry team and worship team come forward. Because remember what we said on the outset. God wants to restore hope this morning. Remember John 10.10. 10, Jesus came to give us life. He didn't come to give us comfort. He didn't come to give us rules. He came to give us life. And if you feel like that you, that you haven't been experiencing that in its fullness, I want you to come get prayer tonight, this morning. Okay, if you feel like hope's been stolen from you and you need it restored, come down and get some prayer. If you have a dream, just like this video was talking about, something that's been burning in you and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting to step into that, mainly because of the big old butt, let go and go for it. 
I want us to live life to the full, guys. On our deathbeds, we should all be able to look at our loved ones around us and go, did good. Did good. No regrets. All right, let's come forward.